Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. You might know Tony Bennett as the head men's basketball coach at the University of Virginia. Tony led the team to the school's first NCAA national championship in 2019. I know Tony as the guy who was an assistant coach alongside my husband at the University of Wisconsin and one of the kindest people I've ever met. I'm thrilled to talk with him today about the balance between competition and kindness. Tony, I was thinking neither of us had gray hair back when we first met in Saul. My husband still had hair. So what happened to us? It's almost 18 years ago, and uh, time has flown by. But, um, hey, at least we still have hair, right? What's, what's up with Saul? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? But you also have, I remember holding your little girl when she was, what, four months old, and now she's in college? She's a freshman at Wake Forest. Yeah, that you look back at your life, and there's so many markers in your life. And uh, oh, the time that I got to know you and Saul and be at Wisconsin and uh, that journey, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to be a coach, ironically. But looking at your guys and the kids' life and the, the places that, you know, the journey's taken all of us, it's, it just it does. Everybody says, hey, don't blink. It goes fast with your kids, with things. And I think it, it leads you into saying, all right, can I truly have joy and enjoy what I'm doing uh, in the moment and not be so always looking for what's next? It teaches you that the older you get. Yeah, right. You don't want to look back and you don't want to look forward. You want to sit right where you are. Well, but we're going to look back for a second because um, I wanted to do something a little bit different and ask people um, who really respect you and have followed your your career, both playing and coaching what they would want to know from you. And, um, and so one person, Mary Bus Vissers from Facebook, wanted to know what your favorite Green Bay memory was. <laughs> Good old Green Bay. Uh, there's so many there. Um, but really, from, from a basketball standpoint, um, I played for my father. And I, I went to Green Bay because um, I just believed you know, one, my dad, he could make me the best player I could be, but I wanted to try to help build the program there as a player. And so we won the conference championship and it was in our own arena in the conference tournament. So it qualified us for the NCAA tournament. And there was this moment as the crowd rushed the floor, they dumped the Gatorade bucket on my dad and the crowd kind of parted and we saw each other. And I still have the picture in my office of us just embracing. And it was just that moment. Like you get to share a father son memory um, that, you know, ironically, this year when we beat Purdue to go to the Final Four, we got to have an embrace like that again. And, and so that moment was amazing. And then my other great moment is I proposed to my wife. I think I was crazy to do it, but I, when they retired my jersey when I played at UW-Green Bay, I, my, my at time girlfriend was at the, uh, the game and she was on the court. And after they hung the jersey, I walked over to her and in front of the whole crowd, I dropped on my knee and proposed <laughs> to her. So. Those are my two great memories. I knew she couldn't say no in that setting. I had the home crowd behind me, so I was brave, but uh, those are my two. There's so many, but those are two awesome memories. Uh, and Laurel, I love Laurel. How's she doing? She's wonderful. She's, uh, like I said, anybody who's in coaching as, you know, as a coach's wife as you are, I, I think people don't realize how strong and the wisdom and the, the support you get from your wife. And um, no, I, 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 as they say, Saul and I talk about this often, we out-punted our coverage many times. So <laughs> it, was, it was bad. Well, we had a question from a man named Jonathan Moore, and um, he did a, he did actually a film about 
coach's wives. And um, one of the things he wanted to know from you is how does your wife help you handle a tough loss? Yeah. Well, I can give you the ultimate on that. Um, there was probably no tougher loss, um, you know, in my coaching career and, and maybe in the history of college basketball, you know, us being the first one seed, we had an amazing year um, and we were the one seed overall one seed in the NCAA tournament. And everyone that follows the game knows UMBC beat us. And I remember how humbling that was, how hard it was, you know, all the ridicule, all the, all the criticism. And I'd say about a week or two into it, Laurel said something to me that just changed the way I looked at it. She said, you know something, Tony? She said, I don't know if you can consider it this way. She said, but what a privilege. She said to kind of suffer, at least in your, in your vocation and still be faithful to what matters to you. And you know, to me, it's, it's my faith in the Lord. It's obviously the relationship I have with my family and friends. She said, she said, you are in a way count it worthy to kind of have to stand in there and still stay faithful and not just lose everything. She said, that's a privilege. And she said, I, hard to think of it that way. And I just started thinking about that. You know, so many people have experienced such true suffering and hard things. And she just, she just kind of brought me back to that. And, you know, just to know what unconditional love is when you have that from your family or friends or, you know, ultimately your faith, that, that is a steadying influence and a calm that um, is, is absolutely required and needed because life is about struggle and it is about, you know, the, the valleys as much as it is, as the, you know, the Hills and that, that was significant for me and just helping me kind of grow and deal with that really hard moment in my professional career. Right. Cause people can look at you and say, Oh, you know, he won the NCAA tournament. Like this is, this is amazing. But they forget that basketball coaching is not for the faint of heart. You know, <laughs> you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna win, but you might lose, you know, there there's both ends of that. Um, speaking of your faith, uh, a woman from Wisconsin named Beth Kern asked, um, can you ask coach Bennett how he keeps his faith first when dealing with the pressures of success and basketball? Yeah, I, th I think it's just um, something that I know that gives me a, a peace and a perspective um, that's beyond circumstance, beyond a win or a loss. And um, I, I think I've just, um, at a young age, um, uh, that became so important to me. I went to a fellowship of Christian athletes camp, but that's the foundation of everything. Kind of when I'm right with my relationship with the Lord, it seems like everything else is in balance. And I, I just, I remember um, Laurel and I actually were at this conference and the, the lady was talking about it. She, she used the analogy of a, a flight attendant when the oxygen mask comes from the ceiling and said, what are you supposed to do? First, you put the oxygen mask on your own face, and from that, then you can help and serve others. And I've always thought about that in my life as a coach and just in everything I do is, you know, fill your own cup. And for me, that starts with my faith, the discipline of being right with the Lord. And, and I understand everybody has different beliefs and at different places, but for me, that's my hope. That's my joy. And when I'm right and my cup is full because <laughs> I'm taking the time to do that, out of that, out of the overflow, then I can be my best self to other people as a coach, as a husband and a father. And um, that part has to be first and kind of build from there. And, and that that's where um, that's probably been helped me more as a coach and than anything else, really. 
Well, and, and at the level that you're coaching, it's extremely busy. So what, and, and everyone wants a piece of you, including this lady from the kindness, kindness podcast, me, right? <laughs> <laughs> so what does that look like? How do you walk that out in a practical sense, like each day? I think you have to be wise and, and say no a lot and say, there's certain things I can do and there's certain things I can't. And otherwise, you know, it's kind of like, if you don't stand for something, you fall for everything. You'll just get spread so thin. So you have to really be able to protect yourself. I look at that as one of the most important things I can do as a coach is, is be a protector of my team and my players and protect them because they're going to face a lot of stuff, but can we kind of insulate them and protect them and train them and do their things? And that's the same thing with my life. I, I have to protect my time. Certain things have to be sacred and, um, you know, have great people around me. And then obviously have an understanding family because there are certain times and commitments that you can't get away from, but I think it's a delicate balance and it's hard. It can chew you up and spit you out if you're not right. And, and that's the challenge there in that time management and even your mind not being consumed when you are home and around, those are the, the real battles. Mm-hmm. Speaking of your players, we had a man named Brian Nodoff and a woman named Cheryl Daly, who both really wanted to know the most important lessons that you hope your players will learn from you as they move beyond college life yeah i think uh, some of the things we talk about perspective but i learned this from my father um when i played for him my father was a fiery italian he's very intense <laughs> the way he coached and sometimes he would step over the line especially yep. with me he'd sort of dangle me over the edge and i mean he would you know just he'd go after whether it was a player the team and and maybe he got out of character and it was a bit much and and whether it was the next day or it was at the end of practice I'll never forget, he, he did it often, you know, he would come and he'd say, guys, or he'd say, you know, Tony said, please forgive me. He said, I made a mistake. I, I battle sometimes with my temper. I don't want to be this way. It's a weakness I have. But would you forgive me? Because, you know, I value you and I believe in you and, you know, we're about this. And I'm telling you that you could almost feel like it's just all of a sudden you'd want to or the team would want to run through a wall for him because he was vulnerable to the truth that he didn't have everything figured out and he wasn't above something. When someone is humble enough to say, I screwed up, I'm sorry. Um, that that's one of the most valuable lessons I pray my players can take, uh, that they just have a, a true understanding of that. Um, and I always pray for humility because so much is, is heaped on these young men. They're, they're basically worshiped in a way that's not right with social media, with right. success, but they're also crushed when it doesn't go well and it's a hard balance, but I always worry when the ball stops bouncing, the lights turn out, you know, will they, will they understand? Will they be humble enough to, enough to know this is a gift, what they got to experience? And will they be able to find something that brings them joy, you know, in their life beyond basketball and just be thankful for what they experience? Because I think entitlement is such a, you, you, you can get lulled into that or lured into that trap of, well, this is, I deserve this. I need this. I should get this. And I'm always hoping that for them because it's a hard time to grow up or be an athlete in today's world, even a little different, a lot different than when Saul and I were, were athletes for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a lot that you could just let go of that they can't let go of now because it, it's, it's on there on social media yeah. for everyone to see again and again and again. Um, 
So Rusty Thomas from Athens, Ohio, sent in a question. He said, when did you choose to start being kind and what influences you to continue that lifestyle? And I have to believe that you probably came out of the womb kind. Is that, <laughs> was there well, one my point? A, my mom is one of the kindest human beings I've ever met. So hopefully some of that rubbed off. But um, I, um, I mean, that's just learning. That starts with obviously my faith. Um, and I, it's funny. I shared this last year, maybe it was two years ago with my team. I read this and, um, and it doesn't quite get to the answer, but it was a quote that I shared a lot to our team. And I, I repeated it often. And it was this, and I can't remember who it was, but it says, be kind for everyone you meet is facing a hard battle. And I think none of us know what battles others are facing. And even in our own life and kindness, I mean, kindness is life. Kindness is, it, it can bring healing. It can bring um, such life to people. And so I just think there's no better way. Yes, you as a coach have to be demanding. You have to challenge. You have to push. But, but a kindness uh, is, I think, modeled ultimately in, in the Lord. And, and I, obviously I keep talking about my faith. And I, as I said, I respect everyone's place where they're at. But, but I try to model my life and follow his teachings and his ways. And there was no one more compassionate and kind than, than Christ. And so that part in my life is, is kind of my guide. But, um, you know, I just, I, I've learned a lot through watching it through my mistakes more than anything. And, uh, you see how it impacts people. It's just, it's amazing. Liz Swatzel said, um, you know, being kind and having a competitive spirit often work at odds. So, you know, how do you teach that to your players? How do you live that out um, and, and stay focused on one without losing sight of the other? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's the right way. It's the only way, in my opinion. Um, they do not um, counteract each other. You, you can be a fierce competitor. You can, as I say, try to cut someone's heart out between the lines in a good way. Like you, you, you've been given a gift, I tell our players, to to play this game and you should compete at the highest level because to me it's honoring to the gift you've been given for the talents you have. You, you should not back down, but you have to be aware of when it steps over the line, when it becomes, you know, um, arrogant or, you know, you're trying to crush people or make people look bad. doesn't affect your competitiveness at all. As a matter of fact, you can compete the right way and, um, and still be genuine and, and kind hearted as, as crazy as that seems. I, one of the best competitors I ever coached is a guy named Joe Harris. He plays for the Brooklyn Nets. He actually he uh, just played on the USA national team, won the three-point contest last year. One of the fiercest competitors I've ever coached, and he's honestly one of the kindest people. Same with Malcolm Brogdon. I'm using guys. He was the MV, uh, rookie of the year in the NBA, and he is such a competitor, so driven, so competitive, but yet he's part of this. He's so kind. He's part of this project called Waterboys. He's taking well wells to Africa. He's already raised hundreds of thousands of dollars because he has a compassion for, for those who are without. So I've watched it. I've seen it with people. I, I just, I know where they both exist and it's the right way. And that, those are the lessons you want your players to understand. Right. Right. So anybody out there who's listening and says, well, I'm just competitive. Um, you're going to have to find a new, <laughs> you're going to have to find a new response to that because you can be respectful. I'm hearing you say, Tony, you can be respectful. You can care about others and still compete at the highest level. Yes, so I believe that wholeheartedly. Now you might recognize this name, Kelly White. Um, her husband was Ryan White. And I think that 
they were, I think they were at UVA the first, um, yes. the first year that when you were hired, right? You so, got a huge following of people on this podcast. I'm impressed, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And you know, anyone listening will go back, will know that you and I go way back because no one ever calls me Nikki. Saul calls me Nikki and I'm anybody, sorry. no, I love it. I love it. I love it. I never introduce myself <laughs> as Nikki because then people call me Mickey and Ricky and Vicky and they, they can't hear the right word, the right consonant. But anyway, um, so Kelly said that, um, She's sure, obviously, that, well, I think it's obvious that you've accomplished your dream job, but what else would you want to do in life, you know, whether it's with the limited off time that coaching gives you, or if you could pick any other job, what would it be? Oh, I'm pretty simple-minded. I just, I love what I do, and I sort of just take it a step at a time. I don't have this when, when I, I played in the NBA for a few years and I thought my dream was, you know, I'm going to play for 10, 15 years. And when I'm done, I'm going to retire in Hawaii and just live on the beach and chill out. That's what I <laughs> thought I was going to do when I was 22 yep. years old. So, so now that I'm uh, 50 now, um, I'm, uh, I'm not at that spot anymore. I honestly just, I want to keep using the gifts that I have and try to try to help people, try to influence, um, young men as a coach. But, um, I, I don't really have, so I just, I want to be the best, husband and father I can be. And that's a challenge and, and, uh, keep kind of keep growing and you know who I am, but I, I love coaching and I'm still on a, like I said, a, a journey to get it right, to be kinder, <laughs> to be, to be uh sounder, to influence my guys more. It's, it feels like you're just, you're just continuing to grow in that and understand the impact you can have when you're doing operating in the right way. Right, right. And winning a national championship is one barometer of success. But I would imagine as you work with these guys and as you see your own kids grow, there are many barometers to success for you and, you know, many more ways in which you want to keep growing. Jay, uh, Jacob Gollin uh, said, if you were given a diagnosis of a year left to live, what would you spend your time doing? Wow. These are good questions. Tough. Um, I would, I mean, if I answer it honestly, I would spend more time obviously with my children, um, with my wife, with family and friends, you know, they ask that question to people on their deathbed, you know, to those who are, had been the most successful or made so much money and it. It never is. I would have acquired more, or tried to gain more. It's more like I would have taken time to enjoy life, be with the ones that I love and, and that's why you have to be intentional about that while you're doing it when we talk about time management. So it would be just full on uh, enjoying those relationships because those are God-given. And, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, the, this, there's a, a verse that says, what good is it if a person gains the whole world yet loses himself? And, and that's, um, that, that, that's a sobering question. It really is because that's how we should live. And, uh, but that would definitely be it. It would be, way, you know, a lot more time and, and kind of stopping to enjoy and smell the roses more and all the relationships that you've built over time. Um, and, uh, I'd certainly be, be growing in my faith because that would be my rock when you're faced with, um, with the reality that all of us faith. Mm -hmm. Do you have any desire to, um, coach back in Wisconsin? Jamie Jager wanted to know that. <laughs> You're trying to get me in trouble. Nicole, <laughs> Do you know what he said? That. I'm not calling you Nikki. <laughs> no. Listen to this. I, Jamie listen. Jager says, this is exactly what he said. Does he have any desires like his dad to coach back in Wisconsin? I know he probably won't answer it, but someday I hope he does. <laughs> <laughs> 
so no, you don't have so to nice. answer. I, I love Wisconsin. It's, I'm born and raised. I love Wisconsin Green Bay, University of Wisconsin, and all that. And uh, I'm so thankful, though, where I'm at. I, I, I love Virginia. Those who have not been, it's an amazing university. So I'm just so happy where I'm at. And I, I love – I think they got a great coach. They, oh, my God, that basketball program – University of Wisconsin with what, obviously my father, but what Bo Ryan did and, and now Greg Gard, they're, they're in such good hands. And um, like I said, I, I know there's always people say that stuff, but uh, you never say never to anything, but I am so happy where I'm at <clears throat> at Virginia. And uh, I don't know how much longer, you never know how much longer you go. I just kind of take it a couple of years at a time. And, uh, and like I said, who knows, but I think I'm in a great, great spot and can't see moving on in a while. Yeah. Well, and Laurel, isn't she, she's got a sweet Southern drawl, I think, doesn't she, if I remember correctly? <laughs> Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So uh, okay. yeah, she, she likes being south of the Mason-Dixon line. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. It could get a little chilly up here. Yeah. <laughs> Bring her to South Dakota to visit. She'll, <laughs> she'll never leave home again. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So last Last question for you, Tony. This one is from uh, Andrea Steinmetz, and it's it's a beautiful. She wants to know, what was the kindest th- thing a stranger has ever done for you? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I, it's hard to say. That, yeah. yeah, that's tough. Uh, there's so many. I, I, I don't know if this kind of answers it, but I think it, it's kindness because in a way it it just blew me away. So it has to do with something that just happened. And it actually has changed my mindset. Um, we're trying to, um, there's a couple that is very wealthy and our university has approached them about helping out our program to build a, an extension to a weight room. And they were going to be the naming people of this, this project. And they agreed to do it. And I was sitting with our athletic director and, and fundraisers with them. And they said, but we'll do it on one condition. And, um, you know, cause they were going to, they gave enough to have the building named after them. They said, um, we don't want it named after us. They said, we want it to be named after, I guess they have a foundation. They call it the good Stewart foundation. They said, so we want to help this program out. We love what you guys are about. We want your, we want your weight room to be named the good Stewart performance center. Mm-hmm. And I just stepped back and I thought to myself, you talk about kindness in a way that they, they believe, look, we've been given so many gifts. And if we can be good stewards with the gifts we've been given, that's the way. And, you know, again, that, I just, that started making me think about kindness, giving, being a good steward, and, you know, not wanting their own name. And I don't know, that, that story has stuck with me, and I, it doesn't quite answer it, maybe particularly because there's so many of those things, but... Um, but that, that was significant. And then times when I've been broken down and someone just says, it doesn't matter. I, I think when my wife or my family at times said, we love you no matter what, unconditionally. Those acts stand like at the forefront of my mind. So anyways, those are two things that are, are pretty significant for me. Yeah. Well, and, and being a good steward, I told you it was the last question, but I lied. I'm, I've got another one. <laughs> oh, I'm, I, we can go forever. <laughs> well, because I, I think of, um, you know, what you just said about being a good steward and, and can you just, can you just comment about the fact that 
that if people don't know, Tony, like you, you bypassed your raise. You said, I don't, I don't need this or want this, whatever. And and then you and Laurel turned around and you pledged what half a million dollars, um, uh, to the university. And can you just speak on that? Because I think that people might not, uh, it's hard to grasp. Like, I mean, sure. You can say, well, you well, got, you have enough money to live on, but you know what? There's always your legacy. There's always your kids. There's always your grandkids someday, you know? Yeah. Well, a lot of it, some of it was impacted by the story I just told you about that company. I, I just, I, I listened to them and I thought, and you know, you win a national championship and, and not that there's absolutely anything wrong with people being paid market value or getting things that this isn't a comment on anyone else. I do think this is just what I felt. And my wife felt right in her own heart. We have way more than enough. And we, it's, it's, it's ridiculous how much coaches get paid and all that stuff are, you know, at our level. So that's not the point. It's not to be in any way that way, but we just felt like we have enough. This is a chance to, to help out the athletic department and to do something we're really passionate about. We, we gave to something that's going to help our players. It's a career development thing that will transition them when they're done playing. We really have a passion for that. So that was kind of what was behind that. And again, I've been given so much in my life and, and um, I, I just think my dad used to read this to me as a kid this book and he'd read it to our team in college. And I've taken that on and I read this book called the giving tree to our oh, team every year. Yeah. And it's one of the most famous childhood books. And you talk about, you know, kindness, the tree the giving, being a good steward. And like, I just, I mean, when you've been given so much, if we can just like, this is what your, your podcast is. All the things you write about is, is being kind, being a servant to others, giving um, and making it better. And so I just, you continue to try to live those ways. And yeah, it's, it's easy. We, we were giving, we have so much, but that's kind of the whole rationale behind um, that act. And, and it got too public. I, I almost feel like it, it's the ones that are done in secret. The people do so many kind things and don't get the publicity just because of the public eye we're in and everything is on blast, whether it's good or bad. And, and I don't like that, but those who do and don't get the notoriety, those are the true, um, I think blessings and, and, kind people out there. Well, Tony, everybody listening to this kindness podcast is going to know your heart. They, they can hear your kindness as I can. And I just thank you so much for giving up your time today to talk with me. Uh, thank you, Nicole. You can keep calling me Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back and forth. I've got to keep it there. So, <laughs> uh, Have a great day, my friend. Thank you. That was a conversation with University of Virginia men's head basketball coach, Tony Bennett. Thanks for listening to the Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to the Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, please spread some kindness in the review section. Kindness.